Hey folks, if you've been tuning in over the last couple of months, you've heard all about the GameTime app and how it can save you some serious cash on last-minute tickets to sports, concerts, all types of shows, and it continues to be a great option, whether it be uh, musical shows in the Pittsburgh area, college basketball, NFL, all the different things, Penguins, obviously, and how about the Cotton Bowl? Cheap tickets for the Cotton Bowl if you want to check out Penn State down in Dallas coming up on Saturday, $12 at AT&T Stadium. So another option, uh, if you can get there, cheap tickets to check out Penn State in the Cotton Bowl. Now the game time is hooking you up even more for the holidays. You can get a $10 credit. So think about that, $12 seats for the Cotton Bowl with a $10 credit. Here's what you do to do it. Download the game time app in the Google Play or App Store. Click on the My Tickets section of the app, create an account. Then under the billing section, redeem code The Athletic. Once again, that's The Athletic, all one word, for $10 off your first purchase. That's free money, people. Credit is only available to the first 1,000 people who redeem the code, and it expires at the end of the year. That's December 31st, 2019. So make moves quick and score last-minute tickets. You're listening to the Immaculate Podcast with Tim McMaster and Ed Bashet. A bad loss sets up a situation where the Steelers are in a bad spot heading into Week 17. Welcome into the Immaculate Podcast. Tim McMaster here along with Ed Bouchette. We're going to break it all down. The quarterback situation, the back-and-forth quarterback situation. We'll talk about the defense um, and, of course, the playoff scenario now heading into Week 17 is the Steelers no longer control their own destiny. They're going to need some help. There's a couple different ways that could happen, some of them uh, confusing, some of them a little simpler. But at the end of the day, the Steelers did control their own destiny, and then they went and they lost to a bad Jets team, and now they don't anymore. So we'll start there, Ed. It's just, I mean, it's been a tough go, and we know no game is easy for the Steelers team, but but that's not a good loss to take there against this Jets team that has really struggled throughout the season. Yeah, no, it's not. I mean, you know, with the playoffs on the line, the Jets had nothing on the line. Um, of course, the Jets did have their starting quarterback on the line. <laughs> yeah. Um, that helps a lot. You know, I thought if Mason Rudolph had remained in the game, they had a chance um, because he looked pretty good when when he was in there. And, um, you know, then he got the shoulder injury, and uh, they just didn't do a whole lot after that. They came close on a pass in the end zone at the end, but – you know, uh, they, 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 they worked themselves out of field goal range several times, and that hurt too. Yeah. All right. Before we get into the quarterbacks, because that's where I kind of want to start, um, definitely give us a five-star review and, and rate us. Um, leave a review if you'd like here on the podcast. Um, we love to hear that stuff uh, through wherever you're listening to the podcast, whether it's Spotify or iTunes or Stitcher or anywhere. You can check us out there. Um, also, check out the best of 2019 on The Athletic. Uh, it's a chance to see the best stories uh, as curated by our people at The Athletic of almost 50,000 stories that have been written in 2019 on The Athletic. They chose the the best of the best, and you can check that stuff out. All those stories for free, but you can also gift a subscription right now. Christmas just a couple of days away. Go to theathletic.com slash gift um, and give the gift of the athletic at a great savings as well. So just wanted to get those things out of the way. Uh, it was almost a dream scenario, Ed. We've been waiting all season. Um, 
producer Marissa and myself actually were talking about this, I think, two months ago. The fact that eventually it was going to be Christmas time and the Steelers had a quarterback named Rudolph and it was going to all be perfect. And then they didn't have a quarterback named Rudolph. They had Duck instead. And then the Sunday before the holiday, here comes Rudolph off the bench to lead the Steelers to the comeback victory over the Jets to keep their playoff hopes very much alive. But then the shoulder injury. Um, so let's get into the quarterbacks. Um, I th- I have to give some credit to Mike Tomlin for pulling the trigger on Duck when he did. Seven for nine for 53 yards and, and two interceptions early in this game. And Tomlin wasted no time in going to the bench and going to Rudolph. I got to give him credit because that was the perfect time, I think, to make that change. The Steelers were back in the game at halftime all tied up. Yeah, and, you know, Rudolph looked good. Um, you know, I wonder he did, how he, did. he he would look when he um, returned, if he returned, you know, who knew. And um, he, he he looked confident in the pocket. He made good decisions. He made really excellent throws. It's so evident his arm is so much stronger than Ducks. Um, and if there, if there was any question going into next year who uh, will be number two, I think, uh, all you had to do is look at yesterday's game, Sunday's game, and um, uh, but you know Rudolph with his nose so bright couldn't <laughs> lead Santa's sleigh last night. Yeah, he certainly couldn't. He did for a little bit. 14 of 20, 129 for Rudolph. He threw a touchdown. Uh, Duck, because he came back into the game, obviously, finished up 11 for 17, 84. The combined totals for those two guys, it was just a little over 200 yards. Uh, the touchdown and a couple of interceptions. Um, it, it wasn't great against a – it's a Jets defense that is really good against the run, um, but not great against the pass. And and I think we saw that when Rudolph came into the game, right, Ed? Because with the stronger arm and, – and you just look at Rudolph in the game as opposed to Duck. And Duck's been a great story. And I don't think the Steelers get to where they are right now without just his kind of guts and the way he kind of got them into positions to win some games this season. But Rudolph looks like an NFL starting quarterback when he's in there, when he's not you know, throwing interceptions and, and making the mistakes he was that got him removed. But he wasn't doing that on Sunday. And it really looked like if he had been able to finish off this game, an offense that ended up not scoring a point in the second half probably gets at least a touchdown, maybe 10 points, and wins this game. Do you think that's fair to say? Oh, I, I definitely do. And I think um, if uh... – if they if he would be their quarterback if he can overcome this uh, left shoulder injury um, as we record this Monday we still have no update on that yep. but I would not expect him to play this week if he were I would give the Steelers a fighting chance not only um, Sunday in Baltimore but if they sneak would somehow sneak into the playoffs I'd give them a shot if he were their quarterback in that first playoff game but. Uh, I don't I don't see any of that happening. Great foreshadowing by you, by the way, uh, writing a story last week about, hey, don't quit on Rudolph. Um, and and then he comes back and, and plays well again. But, yeah, it, it is interesting. But you think if he is healthy enough to play, I guess there's two questions here. One is if he's healthy enough to play, is he the starter? And I think it's pretty safe to say he probably is. Um, but the other thing is, with the Steelers where they are right now, if he's what if he's not one hundred percent, but he could kind of gut it out on Sunday? If that's the scenario, do you think they go with a 
70 to 80 percent Mason Rudolph or a 100 percent Duck Hodges? One question I can't answer, um, <laughs> Tim. You know, uh, it is his left shoulder. That's if there's any good news out of it, it that's it. You know, he landed on it a uh, couple times on Sunday. And um, uh, just because it's a, it's it, he, he was playing with it for a little while. He was tugging right. at it uh, for a while. So who knows? Um, you know, you can always uh, – they have that medication that they can can use and pull out of their bag of tricks, which is legal. Um, and we'll you know we'll see if they want to go that far with him. Um, otherwise, you have Duck and you have Paxton Lynch, and uh, I'm not so sure Paxton Lynch wouldn't be the best choice. Although that's not who I think they would start. Yeah, I think that would certainly raise some eyebrows. But you make a good point. Um, this offense is. I mean, when Duck plays and doesn't make any mistakes, it they you know they can rely on the defense to win the game for them. But the last two weeks, it's been a lot of mistakes for Duck, and and then the defense kind of can't overcome that. Just how about Duck's performance? Now, obviously, his his start was terrible. Um, the two interceptions, and they were bad interceptions. Uh, when he came back into the game, he didn't make the mistakes, but he was also not really effective. Um, so if you grade Duck on Sunday, is it is it a D? Where where do you think he kind of slots in? Oh, D minus. I'll yeah. save him from the F. Uh, <laughs> he did he did have them. You know, he threw a nice ball to James Washington in the end zone that a good defensive play prevented the Steelers from actually winning that game right there. And um, I, I don't buy the juju drop stuff. Everybody seems to be all over him. I, I didn't think that was a real catchable pass. I mean, maybe, well, he could have caught it, but it, it would have been extraordinary. Um, he would have had to really adjust on it. He's coming off knee injury. Um, I, I just, I didn't blame juju like a lot of other people, including juju, <laughs> blamed himself. I, I didn't see that. Once again, he couldn't get the running game going. That's partly due, I think, to... The Jets being a stout run defense, and you know the quarterbacks—they don't respect them enough to uh, to drop more people into coverage. Yeah, and this Jets defense has been—I think one thing that's overlooked with the the Jets is that the defense is pretty good. It's a top ten defense despite a ton of injuries. Now, some of that is because Greg Williams has done a really good job of scheming and mixing up blitzes with this team, and somehow kind of covering up a bad secondary with the best strong safety in the league in Jamal Adams. He does so much that it allows them to kind of get away with some things with bad corner play at times and all of that. Um, but I think it's been – people haven't really noticed along the way how good they legitimately are against the run. They have been great against the run all season long, and that's when they – don't have they don't necessarily have the ability to just put eight in the box like they could against the Steelers because you mentioned the the lack of respect for the quarterback play and that makes them even better against the run so the Steelers end up sticking with the run a little bit at least 25 carries 75 yards um, but uh, Connor gets hurt again and it seems like I don't know if it's almost worse when he ends up being healthy enough to play, Ed, because then he always seems to leave the game with an injury and you're back with the other running backs anyway. Maybe they'd be better off if those guys were, were getting the reps and getting ready for the game fully in practice. Um, at this point, I mean, you just can't rely on Connor at all. It's it's one injury after another, and it's too bad. It's obviously not his fault, and he showed some flashes when he was healthy on Sunday. 
but um but it's just it's become a broken record with Connor and the injuries. Well, yeah, and he's going into his fourth and final year of his contract. I don't expect them to even try and sign him, Tim, uh, because of that. You know, it's another nice story that just isn't going to follow through. You know, like Duck, uh, I, I don't, I don't think it's going to end well uh, here. Um, you look at this group and you think they may, might need a running back next year, but I, I don't know where you get them. Um, maybe you fish somebody off the off the heap and he can come in and help. But other, other than that, you've got a hodgepodge of guys that you really, uh, I don't know, I don't see a bell cow in there. You know, a guy who can, you can say can, can be or will be their number one guy. Yeah, and maybe unlike Steelers teams of the past, maybe it ends up not being a number one guy and they do kind of go with a rotation and they can find enough. Maybe there's a, a couple guys off the, the trash heap, as you mentioned, that you can fit in. I mean, teams do that with running backs. Um, we've certainly seen it around the league, uh, different teams. Um, the Patriots, a lot of times, have pieced together the running back situation. Now, um, obviously, that all becomes easier, I think, if you have a, a healthy Ben Roethlisberger running the offense, um, and, and it's not helping them at all this year with, with Duck and Rudolph. Um, all right, let's talk about the defense a little bit because – Obviously, the defense was good again. Maybe not as good as it had to be if they wanted to win this game just because of the the way that the offense was going to struggle. Um, but they did get things turned around. Um, TJ Watt had that huge strip sack and the recovery, which I thought was going to be the turning point in this entire game because then the Steelers um, get the touchdown. They tie things up before the half, and I thought the second half things would, would swing the other way. The injuries kind of played into that, and it didn't happen. Um but the defense didn't have the turnover after turnover after turnover that I think they probably would have needed to win this game, right? It was the Watt had that one big play, but otherwise the Jets did a pretty good job of protecting the football. Yeah, you know, the defense did okay, uh, Tim. Um, and Joe Hayden should have had an interception. They, they did yep. call that one. Um, but, you know, they gave up the... the, the Beginning drive, seventy-five yard drive to allow the Jets to take a seven-nothing lead, and you know that's great. Defenses shouldn't do that, and then they um, allowed the Jets to get down late in the game to kick another field goal, and that that was critical because now instead of you know getting in position for Boswell to kick a field goal to tie, you have to score a touchdown. I think if they needed a field goal, they would have gotten it. Uh, at the end, uh, they certainly were getting close enough, and uh, you know, um, they, they they played well. Just like you just said, they didn't play well enough with the way this offense is going. And may I add that other than Boswell, the special teams were terrible. Yeah, the the punting game was was rough, and it just overall. Now you mentioned punting those... game, you know. Uh, uh, um, uh, the, the rookie Deontay Johnson gets a 30-yard return, and somebody's called for holding. Uh, they jump off sides on, uh, on on the one punt and give a first down, fourth and five, give a first down to the Jets after the defense just stopped them. Now, defense went back out on the field and stopped them again, but that's precious time they, they chewed up uh, because of that. And, hey, the defense had to play three more downs, which, uh, you know, who knows what kind of toll that takes. 
Yeah, and a little bit of field position lost on that one as well. There was a couple of also um, when you you mentioned penalties, a couple of penalties on that opening drive that that hurt the Steelers as well when the Jets went down and and got that touchdown. And defensively overall, so when you look at the rush defense, 85 yards on 32 carries, that looks great. But that final drive, uh, there was a couple of times, I think it was a third and five when they hand off to Le'Veon Bell. He gets seven yards for the first down. And then it was a long third down right before the field goal, right at the end there. And he didn't get the first down, but another big chunk of yards on the ground by Bell to help set up that field goal. And that's not what we're used to seeing from the Steelers defense is um, significant plays in the run game at key moments. Um, And it's also not something we've seen from the Jets offensively. And that's kind of what surprised me about it is that Jets offensive line is so bad. But in some key moments, Bell was able to make something happen and really hurt against his former team. Yeah, they did a good job on him almost all game. And like you mentioned, at the end, he gets that third down, seven yards. And then they were going to have to, and who knows if they would have even tried it, a 54-yard field goal. I think it was 54. Uh, it was it was long. And uh, he picks up 11 yards and just bang, it puts him in better position. Um, he only had, you know, 72 yards and 25 carries. That's less than three yards a carry. I mean... Um, they did a really good job on him. He had that big loss of what eleven yards at one point two. Yep. And he only caught uh, he caught four passes for twenty one yards. So he's had a terrible season. But right at the end, I mean, you talked about Christmas time and and Rudolph. <laughs> this was Christmas time for the Jets and Silver Bells. You know. Oh, well played, Ed. Well played. Uh, so silver bells, but before the game, it was black and gold bell. Um, we should mention that. That uh, So that all week weird. long, so he said, for the most part, all the right things. The Steelers players, for the most said all the right things throughout the week. And actually, after the game, he spent a lot of time on the field um, saying hello to, to old friends. And I think even caught up with Mike Tomlin on the field a little bit. Um, but he shows up to the stadium uh, wearing black and gold, just a little bit of a... I guess he trolled him a little bit. They asked him about it after the game. He said that he wasn't trying to do anything negative to the Steelers. He just wanted to create some attention. What was your take on uh, on Levy and showing up in Steelers colors? Well, he got the attention. He you know, certainly he did. got the attention. So did Heinz Ward. Uh, CBS, you know, uh, said before the game that if that they found out that Ward told uh, his wide receivers. He's the wide receivers coach for the Jets now. That uh, the Jets win, he wants a Gatorade bath, and then they showed him getting a Gatorade bath. You know, all time great Steeler. So there's there's two of them that kind of rubbed it in. Uh, Ward, I think, is still a little bitter that uh, Mike Tallman didn't hire him as the wide receivers coach last year after he was spent time with them in the summer. The, uh, this is 2018, and then at the end of 2018. Um, he was, he was over there helping coach them as well. Um, uh, and then Mike didn't hire him. So I don't, I don't think he was happy about that. Yeah. it got the, the bath and eh, all that stuff I think goes away pretty quickly and, and is forgotten about, but it's fun to talk about the day after, uh, it happened. So speaking of receivers, you mentioned Heinz, Heinz Ward, the receivers coach, uh, Juju is back. You mentioned that a little bit, two catches for 22 yards, um, kind of eased his way back in. Um, nothing real stand up, but 
Deontay Johnson was good again. Eight catches for 81 yards. He had the touchdown, um, showed that kind of spark that he has. Has Deontay Johnson gotten to the point here with the last few weeks that you could see him eventually being a number? I mean, he is the number one receiver on this team right now, but that's not really saying anything. Can he be, in your mind, a legitimate number one receiver in the NFL? Oh, yes. Um, you know, a lot of people thought that um, that Juju was going to be a, quote, number one receiver. Well, it, you can take that two ways. Number one, meaning he's going to lead them in receiving yards, which he did the year before. But a true number one is the guy who uh, is number one. He's Batman. You know, he's not Robin. Um, he's the guy who makes the big catches. He's Antonio Brown, you know, maybe not to that extent. Uh, and I was told by people who know that Juju just isn't a classic number one receiver. It doesn't make him a bad receiver. Uh, still can make him a good receiver, but he's just not, he needs a complimentary guy. And maybe Deontay Johnson will be that next year, you know, with James Washington, Johnson, and Juju. They, they have the formation of still a, a, a decent receiving court. Yeah, that's a good. I mean, you put a quarterback with those three receivers, and I think that uh, that they can do some damage for sure because there's certainly no weak link there. They all have kind of their strengths and and their abilities, and Johnson can do so many different things. Uh, so we mentioned the injury to Mason Rudolph, and obviously we'll find out about that. Maybe even um, as this podcast comes out, or maybe Tuesday when Mike Tomlin speaks, we'll see. Uh, but the other big injury was obviously Marquise Pouncey uh, carted off into the locker room. It's a knee injury, and it was one of those kind of scary non-contact knee injuries, which in a lot of ways are, are the worst kind because you immediately think um, ligaments and, and that kind of thing. Um, it had a direct impact on the game because Finney came in for him, and on a third key down, there was a bad snap. There was a couple other bad snaps the Steelers had to deal with that hurt them. But obviously, Pouncey is a guy that is such a leader on this team and everything. I would imagine that he's probably not going to play come Sunday in this final game against Baltimore. But if it's a serious injury, Ed, it could have an impact on the beginning of next season even for Pouncey at, at his age. Uh, at any age, if it's a, you know the dreaded ACL yeah. and we do, as we sit here, we don't know what it is. Um, I, I, you know, he was walking off and that, you're, you're going, okay. That's not too bad. And then he stopped, you know, like something kicked in there. Um, and that was not a good sign. You know, I covered Rod Woodson's entire career with the Steelers, Tim, and uh, they played the Detroit Lions in an opening game, 1995. And it was on that old Three Rivers carpet, and it was a warm day. And Rod came up to make a tackle on, on Barry Sanders, and Barry did his – thing you know juke left right left right and rod tried to go with him next thing you know he's on the ground no contact it was an acl you know he just it kind of stuck in the turf there and and that was that um so yeah you never know he walked off the field that day and i said ah, he doesn't look too bad well it was it was terrible we'll see what happens with pouncey but uh, i don't think he's going to play sunday yeah, I think that's pretty safe. Um, so that brings us to Sunday, and we can get into these scenarios and everything. But the first thing is, um, as far as the scenarios go, the Steelers really just, if they can just win, that's a big step in along the way. Um, 
But they're going to have to play a Baltimore team that, yes, they're probably not going to have their starting quarterback. I would imagine Lamar Jackson's not going to see a snap in this game. Uh, Mark Ingram, the running back, may well be rested as well. Uh, My concern for the Steelers, though, Ed, is you have to score points. And I would think that a good amount of Baltimore's defense is still going to play in this game. So I wonder if, if the Steelers are really going to be able to move the ball much at all. And then it becomes... A situation where is this going to be a, a 10-7 game, a 13-10 game? Um, how do you think this plays out? Yeah, I was just I was thinking of a score too. I was thinking 7-6, Tim. <laughs> it's got to be low scoring. Yeah. You know, every game for them is low scoring. Now you're you're going against another good defense. Uh, that that offense of Baltimore's won't be as dynamic if Jackson doesn't play, and uh, you know it's probably going to be a terrible game. Uh, they need a win, but uh, they also need the Titans to lose um, in 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 Houston, and Houston's going to be resting everybody probably more so than even Baltimore because they they have to play the following week and they they can afford to rest people. Uh, it, it's a not a good scenario. I've seen worse. Uh, as you know, I've covered this team for a long time. Back in 1989, they needed about five different things to happen. Not just them winning in Tampa, but for four other things to happen. And one of them was extended to Monday night. Fortunately, they don't do that anymore. They all play on Sunday afternoon. But um, it all came through. And I, you know, ever since then, I say never say never because it can happen. But, you know, does it really matter at this point if they make the playoffs? I guess for a coach and for these guys, you know, it'll be a little little feather in their cap if they do, but I don't know that they would have much of a chance in that first playoff game unless Mason Rudolph returns. Yeah, and that's a good point. If you can get in and you get that extra week, maybe Rudolph then is back and and you can see what happens. Um, So the other scenario is even weirder. The one scenario is Steelers win, Titans lose, they're in. The other one kind of gets crazy because it includes the Steelers losing. If they lose... If, and then Tennessee loses, and then the Colts beat the Jaguars and the Raiders lose, the Steelers would actually get in. It would create a three-way tie between the Steelers, the Titans, and the Colts, and the Steelers would win out in that scenario and make the playoffs. Uh, it's just wild, and, and there's weirder scenarios for other teams, but um, that's where we are at this point in the NFL where you have uh, all these teams with, with similar records and, and how it would play out. Uh, you mentioned the... You know, 89, that was an interesting one. The Steelers got in. 94, they needed help, and they got in as well. Um, In 2000, they missed the playoffs. So more recently, things haven't really gone the Steelers' way as much as as back in the 80s and 90s. Uh, 2000, they needed some help. They missed the playoffs. 2010, they needed help and missed the playoffs. 2013, same thing, missed the playoffs. 2016, they made the playoffs, and that was the year that uh, the Jets actually went 10-6 and and missed out on the playoffs because the Jets lost Week 17 to Buffalo, and that allowed the Steelers to to sneak in. And then, of course, there's the the one that's kind of still fresh, a fresh wound, so to speak, for Steelers fans, and that is last year where the Steelers got the win and then sat there and watched on the Jumbotron as uh, Cleveland had a chance to knock off Baltimore, and um, 
they end up throwing the interception late and, and everybody's there still at Heinz Field to watch it and they miss out. So kind of a mixed bag, but recently when the Steelers have needed help, Ed, they haven't gotten it. No, and I <laughs> I know Mark Caballi did a lot of your homework there. For That's you what I, I just wrote. read from Mark's article, basically. <laughs> right. He wrote a, a big story on that for this morning. Um, you know, it's funny. I, I've covered all those uh, all those teams, all those games, and the one that sticks out the most for me, Tim, was 1977. The Steelers needed Cincinnati to beat Houston for them to get in as a wild card team. And... Um, I'm sorry. They needed Houston to beat Cincinnati, uh, for this, and it, the game meant nothing to Houston. Houston upset Cincinnati. The Steelers took up a collection and sent every coach and every player of the Houston Oilers a a nice uh, leather briefcase. <laughs> <laughs> if you did that nowadays, it probably violates some kind of salary cap rule. But right, uh, it, that was called the uh, suit uh, the uh, briefcase game. <laughs> I did not know that one. That's good stuff. Uh, so we'll see how it plays out. Um, obviously, easiest way is get a win and root for Houston, although that seems like a, a tough one. Like you said, Houston's really going to be, you would think, resting Houston, people up. 42 years later again. Maybe they can send them briefcases if they win. <laughs> These are Different not the Oilers. Right. These nope. are not the Oilers, but the Texans. But same thing. You need some help, and it's going to be interesting. But first of all, take care of business against the Ravens is plan one. And obviously, as the week goes on, we're going to learn kind of more and more uh, about this game and the health and Mason Rudolph and, and all of that. Um, but you you wrote the article about basically saying, is there really a point in them making the playoffs? And it does kind of seems like it comes down to, to Mason Rudolph's health and whether or not this team has any hope in the playoffs. Um, but I just think you look back on a season and even a tough season where nothing went your way and um, different expectations are formed. And some teams, you know, the expectation is to win a Super Bowl. And if you come up short of that Super Bowl, um, then it's a disappointment. But then for other teams like this Steelers team with so many injuries and the one in four start and everything, it just feels like from a from a fan perspective, if you can look back on this season and say, wow, you know what, that team still made the playoffs, you almost put a positive spin on the whole thing heading into next season. Now that matters less probably for for those of us covering the games and, and even the team for a standpoint because they just want to win every week. But I feel like fans would feel really good about the 2019 Steelers if they somehow found their way into the postseason. Yeah, and Tim, um, you mentioned, um, uh, we just mentioned 1989, um, and I will leave uh, the fans with some hope if they do make the playoffs. And by the way, that story I wrote through a lot of uh, – uh, uh, attention, if you will, from readers on both sides, thinking I'm crazy if I say they shouldn't make the playoffs and thinking uh, I'm right on for saying uh, what use is it if they do. Uh, so it was kind of split down the middle. Nevertheless, That's what you want. 19, 1989, when they squeezed into the playoffs with all those magical things happening, um, they opened at Houston and they went down heavy underdogs and surprised the Oilers beat them in overtime. They went to Denver and were leading John Elway and the Denver Broncos in Denver, except for a drop pass. They would have beaten them. They lost by a point. 
Had they won that game, they were going to Cleveland the next week to to play the AFC title game. So, um, and you know, of course, there's the story of 2005 when they squeezed in as a sixth seed and uh, played three games on a road, won them all, and then won the Super Bowl. Yeah, that doesn't seem like a, a real. They had a quarterback then. <laughs> I was gonna say, uh, <laughs> I don't think a Super Bowl is is probably in the the future of this team, considering the the teams that they would have to play along the way. But hey, getting into the playoffs, you you have a chance at that point, and we'll see how it kind of plays out from that point on. So that's the situation for the Steelers. Um, there's a lot of crazy playoff scenarios around the NFL. If you want more on the league as a whole, uh, check out. The Football Fact Check here on the Athletic Podcast Network. Uh, that is our podcast with Dave Damashek Again, the Football Fact Check, that's Sheck, S-H-E-K. He'll have a full recap here Mondays and Wednesdays on the Athletic Podcast Network. He'll set you up for the, the full view of the NFL here heading into Week 17. So check that one out and follow Ed on Twitter, as always, at Ed Bouchette. Uh, we will preview that Ravens game coming up on Friday this week, myself and Mark Caboli. So tune back in for that one as well. Thanks for joining us here on the Immaculate Podcast.